Thanks for listening to Beyond the Summit, a podcast by the Keene Seventh Adventist Church. We're in a new series called As It Is in Heaven on Earth. And it's a series focused on one of Jesus' most prolific teachings on prayer. It's found in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. We're going verse by verse, line by line, through the Lord's Prayer. And we're learning along the way about how and where heaven touches earth and how prayer changes our lives. Excited for what this series is already doing in our community. Let's dive in to today's episode. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to everybody else. Happy Sabbath to you too. Glad you're with us today. I hope and pray that you've had an encounter with God this morning. And if you haven't yet, I hope that your your time's coming. I hope and pray every time we gather for worship that you and Jesus get a little one-on-one in the time that we have together. I want to share with you, you know, we've been, we've been going through the series as it is, right? We're doing that today again. Number five, it's week five of the series, as it is in heaven on earth. And part of Wednesday night Bible study, Wednesday night prayer meeting, we meet at Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. And I think we've got a slide we can put up on the screen here. I want to invite you, if you want to go deeper, uh, there's only so much that we can do in a sermon, right? I've got about 20, 30 minutes uh, to, to share with you a homiletical, some homiletical points, some things that scripture has to say. Uh, and that, that's what you got. I got to talk at you for a little bit. And Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., we're in a series there called In the Whisper, How to Hear and Follow the Voice of God. And it's intended to be a little bit of a complimentary series with, uh, with the prayer series. Because, you know, you get to sit here and listen and Wednesday evening's a little bit more didactic. We get into the classroom, we dig into scripture, we go here and we go there, and we kind of do it together, and we walk through that. Uh, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. in our chapel, if you want to come in person. If you want to enjoy it from the comfort of your own home, it's also live-streamed as well, uh, so you can check that out. If you're interested in knowing more about how to hear and follow the voice of God, that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of the time we're in the, this prayer series as it is. On Wednesday evenings, we'll be in the whisper, how to hear and follow the voice of God. Uh, you guys ready for a quiz this morning? You thought I'd forget. You thought I'd forget. We'll put Slido up on the screen here. Prayer has real tangible effects in our world. Prayer has real tangible effects in our world. I apologize for using the verb form instead of the noun on there. We'll fix it in post. Got the pie chart going. Prayer has real tangible effects in our world. 92% of the room, and those are watching online, say yes. Out of about 120 of us, 90% of us say yes. 9% say sometimes, and then there's 1% hanging out with no. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. At some point in my life, I've questioned whether or not prayer actually does anything. At some point in my life, I've questioned whether or not prayer actually does anything. Huh. Let the answers come in a little bit more, a little bit more. Interesting. So 90% of the room says, yes, prayer has a tangible effect in our life, but I've got questions. I've got questions about prayer. Does prayer really work? 60% of us say that, 24% of us say sometimes. So 85% of the room says, I've got questions. The 16% of us in the room, like, let's meet afterwards, let's talk. What do you have figured out that maybe we don't? Next one. When I sense someone in need, I often feel powerless to do anything about it. When I sense someone in need, I often feel powerless to do anything about it. What say you? 
When I sense someone is need, I, in, in, in need, I often feel powerless to do anything about it. Half the room says maybe. Depends on the situation and who's in need and what the need is. Uh, 24% of us say yes, that's me. And about 30% of us say no, that's not me. You know what to do when you sense someone in need. Kudos, kudos to you. Two more. Prayer is standing in the gap for people. Prayer is standing in the gap for people. What say you? What is prayer? You're quick on the draw. Number four and five were quick on the draw because you're in there. You've got it. About three quarters of the room say yes. That's what prayer is. 20% maybe. We'll see what you have to say, preacher, right? Then, then we'll see where you go. About 9% say, or 8% say no. All right, last one. I often desire to pray for other people, circumstances, and events outside of my control. I often desire, often feel that desire that I want to pray for others, people, events, circumstances that are outside of my control. Got quite the altruistic bunch this morning. 80% of us say, yep, that's me. 16% say, depends on the person, circumstance, and the event. Uh, And 4% say no. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you for engaging with that this morning. Uh, Remember, everybody gets an A on these quizzes, so we'll let your teacher know on that. To begin, I'd like to tell you a story. It's found in a book called How to Pray uh, by Pete Gregg. And uh, this story, he recognizes it, and I'll say it as a disclaimer. It's one of those that if you were to find, try to find the news clipping of it, you're probably not going to, but one that has made the rounds in, in, in preachers' libraries and, and a homiletical point. So roll with me for a moment. Imagine that there is a certain individual in a community that owns a bar, owns a pub or something like that. And this individual goes and uh, wants to expand his bar and pub. And so he files for the permits of the city, takes out the permits to see if he can, if he can expand. You know, got to put an addition on there. Business is booming and want to continue to grow. Well, there's a church in that community. And the church catches wind of this and they say, no way. Selling alcohol, the bar, everything else, that's going to hinder people's spirituality in this community. We're going to host all-night prayer meetings. We're going to picket. We're going to protest. And we're going to call on God Almighty to see if he can stop the expansion of this bar. And so they do. They've got the posters and the signs. And they, don't worry, that's just my son. Right? He, he cries at home, too. Uh, <laughs> so they... They, they get all the signs and they hold the all-night prayer meetings and they pray and they pray and they pray and they protest and they protest and they protest and the city gives the guy the permits. He gets to expand his bar and the church is just distraught. The pastor's like, I don't know, does, does prayer work? What's going on with all this? And he goes on and not the pastor, but the person who owns the bar, um, weird twist of story if that was in there. Um, but the, the guy who owns the bar goes on and, and, and goes to expand it and builds it out and everything. And three days after the grand opening, a big storm rolls through town, you know, nice new building, all that kind of stuff. Storm rolls through town, lightning strike and the, burning, the building burns to the ground. Okay, somebody said amen. That was the pastor's response. Prayer works. Prayer works. And they're hosting all night prayer meetings now for like just thanking God for his wonderful, abundant blessing that he had, he had given to the town. And the proprietor of that establishment catches wind of this. He's like, that's, that's not cool. That church community is culpable in the damages that I've received on my property because of that storm. I'm going to take you guys to court. 
And so he sues them and he files the lawsuit and he says, no way, like you had a hand in this. I don't know who your God is, but you had a hand in this. And the judge is beside himself when he goes to adjudicate this, this case. And, you know, call in witnesses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now the pastor and the congregation, as they stand up to testify, they said, we had nothing to do with the burning down of your bar. Nothing. That was an act of God. That was not us. We may have asked him something, but no, that wasn't us. And the owner is like, no, 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 no. Like you're, you prayed and this happened. You're responsible for this. And the judge is just beside himself. And I'll put what, uh, how Pete finishes the story up on the screen. I like how, how he writes it, and I don't want to mess it up. We appear to have a publican who believes passionately in the power of prayer, an entire congregation that has lost its faith entirely. Does prayer work? And do I have some type of responsibility in the prayers that I pray? Does prayer work? You see, yes, prayer works when it's convenient, when something's low-hanging, but perhaps not when it's, when it's not. Yes, prayer works when it's of no consequence, and I've got no skin in the game, but when it's of every consequence, then, well, how much responsibility do I have? As we go about our everyday lives, does anything we request of God matter? Does it make a difference? It's the question that we ask ourselves today when we turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 this morning. Remember, we're walking slowly through the model prayer, the Lord's prayer that Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. It reads this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Scholars say that this verse and that last line, on earth as it is in heaven, is the hinge upon which this prayer swings. That there's a movement here that all of a sudden we've been, we've been hallowing God's name, we've been recognizing God as our Father, but now we're, we're turning. That heaven is meeting earth and there's some type of connection between what happens up there and what happens down here. These are imperative invitations. God, would you do what you do best? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there are two interpretive extremes today that we may swing back and forth between that I want to explore with you for a moment. That when we pray, come kingdom of God, come will of God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that there perhaps is an interpretation that says anytime we pray that prayer, it is immediately fulfilled. That any answer we're looking for, something in our life, that right here, right now, I'm going to get an answer and God, you better give it to me. And we've prayed those prayers and you open the door and like the thing you needed is right there on the doorstep. The money is in the account. The job uh, comes when, it, when it's needed. The other extreme is that when we ask for the kingdom of God to come and the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven, that it doesn't affect right now. That it's something off in the future. There's a, there's a there and then. We're living in the right now. There's a there and then. That this prayer is reserved for the there and then, but not necessarily in the right here and right now. And we live our lives in between the two, vacillating when it's convenient. That, yeah, I'll get an answer. I better have an answer now, but I understand the there and then. But there and then would be nice, but I'd like to have an answer right now. See, here's the thing. That if my prayer isn't answered here and now, 
then I call into question what the there and then looks like. And if my prayer is answered here and now, then does the there and then actually matter? You see the place that we're at? Praying this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 is what a lot of Bible scholars, a lot of people who understand the Bible, what they will call intercession. That there is a space in between what is immediately happening right now and what is to come in the future, and intercession stands in the gap. It's asking that the there and then really become the here and now, and the here and now become the there and then as it is in heaven on earth. Intercession releases God to do what's best because God knows what's best. Praying this way invites the kingdom, the rule, and the reign of God to set up residence in our hearts, homes, community, and ultimately the entire earth. And what we in our, in our Western minds and, and where we're living, particularly with Adventism, will run to this passage and very quickly say that this really has nothing to do with kind of the, 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 the environment that we live in or the, the political systems that we're under or our civic governing bodies. None of that. It's really more of a spiritual kingdom that God is coming to bring. Oh, yeah? The disciples were expecting a very literal kingdom and Jesus backed them off of that, but he didn't run to the other that says this is an entirely spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God, as Christ lays out in the Sermon on the Mount, is one that can be felt, that you can reach out and touch. Jesus walks onto the scene and says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So in some way, heaven and earth are connected. The kingdom of God, the God that we serve, that God is desirous of there's some connection between heaven and earth. And what is that connection? We're going to be exploring that today. We're going to look at one story in the Old Testament, and then we're going to look at two prayers that Jesus prayed and see if we can help us understand this passage a little bit more. The first is found in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of your men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hand grew tired... They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steadily there until, sun, until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Out of all the stories in Scripture, this, in a way, is the quintessential example of intercession. That there is a group of people that are in need of the power of God and someone stands up between heaven and earth and intercedes on their behalf. Moses knows his role in this story. That he is not of an ability to pull out the sword and go tackle the Amalekites. But what he can do is lift up Joshua and the children of Israel before God. And he does so both metaphorically and physically with the raising of his hands. But if you've ever held your hand up for a while as you're waiting for the teacher in the class to, to call on you, right? Gravity pulls blood from your fingertips back down in your body. And it's, it's, it's difficult. There's, there's fatigue, right? And the arm drops. And that's what Moses gets himself into. He's like, I'm holding up. Ah, it's tired. But he notices immediately the, to the degree that he was holding his hands up, to the degree that he's interceding on behalf of the Israelites, is the degree that God is able to intervene on their behalf. And Aaron and her pick up on this and they pull up a chair for Moses in the form of a rock. 
They stand on either side of him and they brace his arms on their shoulders. What an incredible visual of what it means to pray intercessory prayers. That there is a group that has come together on behalf of someone else, and they're saying, we are going to do whatever it takes to pray this into victory. And the Israelites won. And the answer to prayer happens right in front of Moses, Aaron, and her. Here's the thing. Prayer unleashes the power of God in our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We serve an all-powerful and almighty, a wonderful, magnificent, fantastic God. They can do anything he wants to in the universe, but he chooses to limit what he does on this earth because he wants to partner with you and me in doing that. God's not just going to run in and squash whatever's going on. He's looking for people to partner with him. God of the universe, the all-powerful, the almighty that could sweep in and wipe out the Amalekites without even Joshua having to raise a hand is looking for partners, people willing to engage with him. What intercessory prayer does, praying your kingdom come, your will be done, it gives permission for God to set up residence. You know, this is occupied territory, right? The earth. And Adam and Eve handed over the power of this world to Satan. This is occupied territory. God goes where God is invited. And when you pray to God, your kingdom come, you, your will be done, God sets up an outpost in your heart, pushing back against the devil and his armies. As we see the power of God unleashed in our lives and the lives of those around us, we become very aware of how little we actually have to offer. We've prayed the prayer, right? And the rest is up to God. We recognize how small we are in the grand scheme of things. I remember when I was, I was younger, I was about four or five years old, and we were living in Alaska, getting ready to move back to, back to Texas. Uh, my dad had, a, had a, a blue like Ford Ranger, kind of one of those you know, mini trucks that in the 90s, they were just like the truck, right? Not a super big one, but the kind of smaller one, kind of like a car, but you could haul stuff in the back. And he's getting ready to sell it because we we're going to be moving. And me, the four or five-year-old that I was, wanted to help my dad out, right? That's just the, the altruistic heart and the little kid there is. And so I, I go and I, and, I, and I find a sheet of paper and, and a pen because I'd seen other vehicles that were for sale on, on the island that we were living on. And they had a little sign in the window that said for sale. And I wanted to make my dad a for sale sign. So I, I grab a piece of paper and a, and a pen and I go into his office and he's typing on his computer. He's got his back to me. And I just ask him a simple question. I say, dad, how do you spell for? So I take the, take the paper and he begins to spell for me. He says, F-O-U-R. I hadn't told him what I was doing, by the way. I was like, Dad, how do you spell sale? S-A-I-L. And he's like, son, what are, what are you doing? I'm like, Dad, I'm making you a for sale sign. He's like, oh, as he turns around and sees what I've done. To his credit, he takes my sign, my for sale sign, sticks it in the window of the truck. And to my little kid mind, that truck was sold that afternoon. Uh, you can check with him and verify it, but it was sold that afternoon. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for that. God wants us to partner with him in our lives and the way that this world operates. 
And maybe all we've got is a misspelled for sale sign, but God says, I take it proudly and I put it in the window because it's gonna accomplish what I want it to accomplish. That's what God desires through prayer. That's praying your kingdom come, your will be done. God says, let's do this together. May the kingdom of heaven inhabit this earth. So one story, Old Testament. Let's look at a prayer of Jesus. Back to Matthew chapter six, verse 10 real quick. Remind ourselves, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Gethsemane, Jesus prays prayers. And we know the one that's like at the end, we're gonna get there to a moment. Not my will, your will, we'll get there. But if you read in the gospel of John, John chapters 15, 16, and 17, Jesus kind of has this really incredible kind of last words that he shares with his disciples that moves immediately into prayer to his father. One of the most beautiful prayers in scripture that whenever I'm needing comfort in my life, I just, I just sit in John chapter 16 and 17. Because we'll see in a moment that Jesus prays for you and for me. And there's an example there. John chapter 17, verses 17, 20, and 21. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. He's praying for our salvation. My prayer is not for them alone. Talking about his disciples. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are one and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prays for his disciples and he says, not just for them. There will be people who will believe in me and in you because of their word. And those of you here gathered under the sound of my voice and watching online are a testament to belief in Jesus because of the word that the disciples carried. Have you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John recently? Or in the past year? Those are the words of the disciples. We come into a belief of Jesus because of the words of the disciples. And in Jesus' last moments here on this earth, Jesus is praying for you and he's praying for me. Praying the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, drives us to compassion and care for the people around us. It wells up inside of us an empathy for the cares and the burdens that we carry day in and day out. We recognize our neighbor and say, they are in need, let me lift them up before Jesus. Richard Foster in his book on prayer, titled Prayer, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than is within our power to give them. And they will lead us to prayer. That this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. When Jesus is praying with his father, to his father, he gets in a moment where he's praying for you and for me. He really loved his disciples and he really loves you and me. And the cool thing is, is that Jesus continues to be our intercessor before the Father, calling out to God on our behalf. God, I've taken on their sins. Forgive them, please. Jesus prayed for you and for me. If you ever feel lost and lonely in this world and on your own like nobody cares, Jesus does. And he continues to pray for you regularly. Prayer. When we get into that secret place, we find the posture, begin to say the words, your kingdom come, your will be done. Prayer moves us beyond ability. That there gets to a place in our lives that we cease to be able to do anything about our our, our problems and our challenges. That's beyond our control, that there's something coming in the future that I don't have a hand on. Prayer moves us beyond our ability. And 
you know, there's, there's a common refrain, particularly being in a university town, a desire and a prayer that our university students would know Jesus. I know I pray that on a regular basis. I know there's people in the room that pray that. And I don't know if you've seen in the news cycle the past couple weeks about the revival that broke out on the campus of Asbury in uh, close to Lexington, Kentucky. 17 days of an unending, it, it was a chapel service on, started on February 4 that lasted 17 days. It didn't finish till last night. They said, all right, the public phase of what we're doing is done. This is, we, we've, we've got to put movement to this revival. There have been people I know that have been praying for the students on that campus, that have been praying that for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, God shows up. Now, I want to be careful here, because, you know, just an unending worship service isn't necessarily a marker of revival, right? And people are very, very quick to call it out and see, like, well, depending on the fruits of, of what's happening at Asbury will depend on the significance of the revival and look at the history. Blah, 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 blah. I'll offer you this. Whenever God shows up, when God actually shows up, it shows us where our ability stops and where God's ability begins, and that makes us very uncomfortable. Because we go about our lives every single day living out of our own ability. We make decisions on our own. And even the inconsequential stuff, we're like, does God care about that? Yes, God cares about that. We go in day in and day out, working through our ability and not turning things over to God. And we would probably be very uncomfortable if God actually showed up. If his presence was poured out in a way that was expressed at another university campus, what would it look like for us? Would we be ready to embrace the kingdom residence that God would show up and say, I'm here, I'm willing, I'm ready. What would that look like in our lives? I think it'd make us uncomfortable and move us past our own ability. We ready for God to move in, to take up residence? I hope and pray that we are. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, one more time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus will borrow a line from this prayer as he's praying to his father a couple of hours before he heads to the cross. It's found in Mark chapter 14, verses 35 and 36. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Let's take off the last line of that sentence for a moment and focus in on what Jesus is actually praying. Because I think we run to the end of the statement and Jesus is like, yes, like, yeah, not my will, your will. And it's just this beautiful, like magical moment, divine moment. It's like, yes, this is what we should do. But hear what Jesus is asking his father as he's faced with knowing that the cross is in front of him, but really not being able to see past the cross, not knowing that the sacrifice that he is about to give, will that sacrifice be enough? He has, has no idea. I love how Ellen White puts it in Desire of Ages that Christ could not see past the portals of the tomb, that there was, there was a wall in the way. That he, that he didn't know. And hear what he's asking. He's saying, God, is there any other way that we can do this? I, I, as the sin is coming on, as our sins are coming upon him, and God is pulling his presence away from Jesus, he's feeling what it's like to be disconnected from the Father. And he's saying, can we do this any other way? Can we do this any other way? That's Jesus' prayer. And what does he get? He gets arrested. He gets taken and paraded before 
all kinds of different political leaders and religious leaders. He gets beaten, flogged, whipped, and then carries his own cross, the instrument of his death, to Calvary, and he dies. Think about that for a moment. If prayer is just about getting answers, then prayer is useless. I'm sorry, because, well, I'm not, actually. Jesus prays, and he doesn't get an answer. He doesn't get what he's asking for. He says, if there's any other way, can we do this any other way? There is silence. There's nothing. And then he resolves himself to say, yet not what I will, but what you will. Think for a moment about what Jesus is enduring in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where is Jesus sweating blood? It's not in Pilate's Hall. It's not on the Villa Dolorosa. It's not in Caiaphas' court where Jesus is just profusely beyond anything that he can handle is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And once Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane steals himself to the will of God and says, God, okay, I want something else, but this is what you're calling me to do. I'm surrender, thy will, not my will. At that moment, he can walk into Pilate's court like a lamb led to slaughter without saying anything and say some of the just most impactful lines in all of scripture when Pilate's asking him about truth. He doesn't even respond to the religious leaders when they're calling him out on certain things. He goes to the cross, committed to doing the will of the Father. But what happened? He didn't get an answer. Well, prayer is useless if it's just about seeking answers. The ultimate purpose of prayer is that it changes us. That in the crucible, in that moment of connection with the Father, Jesus is asking for an answer and a response. And what God is doing is saying, hey, right here, right here in this moment, let's, my will. But is there any other way? No, right here, right here. This, 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 is, what it, this is what it is. Philip Yancey, in his book on prayer, also titled Prayer, Prayer Changes Me by Helping Me See the World in My Life Through God's Eyes. As the relationship progresses, I realize that God has a clearer picture of what I need than I do. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, what he's doing with his father is saying, God, I need, I, I need clarity. I need to know where to go, and I trust, I trust that you have the vision that you've got the clarity of where I need to go and I will steal myself to your will. That no matter what happens from this moment forward, I am in total and complete surrender to you. Tim Keller in his book on prayer, also titled Prayer, there's a theme this morning. If we can't say thy will be done from the bottom of our hearts, we will never know any peace we will feel compelled to try to control people and control our environment and make things the way we believe they ought to be. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Prayer changes us. That's all of prayer. That's what prayer is. It's about changing us. And yet there's gonna be moments in our lives where we raise the hand of intercession and pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And God moves in our life like he did with Moses, Joshua, Aaron, and her. And we see the immediate response to prayer and we say, thank you, Lord, I throw up my hands and I'm grateful for what you've done. There'll be moments in prayer where we're moved to pray on behalf of other people, but there are the ones that come so often and so frequent when we're pouring ourselves out before God. Why did you let this happen? What is this thing in my life? It could have gone another way. 
And God stays silent. And he waits. And he waits. Because prayer changes us. God isn't after the answers. He's got an eternity to answer those for us. What he wants is us. He wants our commitment to his will and to his following, to his obedience, to following after him, no matter what he says or where he calls us or what happens in our life. That we stand up and say, we're committed beyond anything else, God. Thy will be done. And when we can say that, we'll experience peace. A peace that passes understanding. What does the kingdom reign and rule of God look like in Keen? What does it look like in our lives? If we began praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in Keen as it is in heaven. I, th- I think we'd see miracles happen. I think we'd see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What does it look like for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in Keen as it is in heaven. In my life, God, in the life of the people sitting next to me, in this community. We got a map up on the wall. Hopefully you've put your, put your pin like, like where you are, right? It's our prayer map. We're recognizing where, where are the communities? Where can we be praying for? Where are you praying? It's wonderful to see just the dots start to appear on that map. If you haven't had a chance to check that out on the way out, I want to leave you with three things, three takeaways from today. So how, how, do we, how do we put feet to the ideas that we've been talking about? Because it all feels good and like the music's playing and everything else. What, what do we do? Number one, I invite you to identify a list of people in your life that you feel that God impresses to you need prayers of intercession. Who in your circles, the people that you interact with, is somebody in your mind that you think, I wonder if anybody's praying for that person. And if you're wondering if anybody's praying for that person, maybe it's your responsibility to pray for that person. Remember, prayer changes us. So, number one, identify a list of people God is asking you to pray. Number two, I've already mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. Place a pin on the map on the wall on the way out. I'd love to just, you know, where, where are you praying? And not just placing a pin. Maybe while you're placing a pin, you look at one other. There's a blue one over in the corner. Or there's a yellow one close to this or a green one there. God, would, you, would your hand of peace and comfort be over that household? What an incredible opportunity. As you are walking out today, as you're passing that map to just say, God, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done in the area that that map shows. And like, you know, well, like, there's, like, you might live off the map. Like, we want you to, to, to feel those prayers, right? It's, it's, it's an illustration. I think our lives would be changed because of it. And lastly, identify a list, place a pin in the lobby, pray for someone you see. Lastly, surrender to the kingdom and will of God in your own life. Get in that quiet place, find that posture of prayer with God himself and say, God, I'm not moving until I can figure out what this surrender deal is all about. And if I've got to come back day in and day out, which I encourage you to do, day in and day out, God, I surrender. God, I surrender. Thy will be done, not my will. It doesn't absolve us of responsibility. It doesn't give us the, just the, the, the free check to get out of here. He says, no, what is your will, God? Help me to follow it day in and day out. I surrender. So, Pray for some people in your life that God impresses upon you. Place a pin in the lobby and pray for those there and surrender to the kingdom and the will of God in your own life and let that surrender transform you and transform our community. It's gonna do something. I believe it. God, may our lives tell the story and may that story bring you all the glory. God, today, would your kingdom come, 
would your will be done in keen as it is in heaven. Would right here in this little small town and in rural Johnson County in North Texas, God, would you set up an outpost? May your kingdom have residence here. May you have permission to work. God, we want you and we desire you. Help us take down any barrier that would inhibit your working in our lives and in this community.